All right. Tonight, we just want to study the Word together. Y'all ready? Now, I'm expecting my Sunday night crowd to be the crowd that locks in and can handle a, a Bible study. And so we're going to do that tonight. We're going to talk about the Lord is a strong tower. Proverbs 18, 10 through 11. Let's read this wonderful passage of Scripture and study it together tonight. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Verse 11. A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his imagination. You know, life is filled with challenges and fears and anxieties and problems and temptations, and the list goes on, correct? Job said that, said it like this, as sparks fly upward, so a man is born for trouble. Y'all know what that means, right? My son-in-law is a welder, and so I know not only does he weld, but he also has taken uh, a hammer and hit an anvil. And when you do that, it causes sparks to fly, and every time you do that, they fly which way? Upward, right? Job says that is the case, and in that, so man is born for trouble. So sometimes the challenges that we face in life, the fears, the anxieties, are just a part of the daily stuff of life. They're... They're part of the daily grind, and I don't know about how you feel about it, but I feel like the daily stuff that we all face, the troubles and difficulties and concerns, they don't usually knock me off balance. Uh, They certainly put an imprint on my life, but they don't necessarily knock me off balance. But there are other times when those fears and anxieties and problems, they get indelibly etched upon your mind, and you don't soon forget those, do you? you? You know how that feels. We remember specifically how we felt, what we went through. Now, many people in our world, when they're knocked off balance, what are they going to do? They're going to do verse 11. They're going to seek their security in a strong tower that's made up of their imagination. It's not real at all. As a matter of fact, Jesus would say, there's a way that seems right to a man, and the end thereof is the way of death. And Jesus said... As well, what does the profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? But many try to deal with anxiety and problems and temptations with the arm of flesh. A rich man's wealth is in his strong city. So the world will try to deal with it. And sometimes, unfortunately, as believers, we seek to deal with our anxieties and problems and life of trouble by the strong arm of flesh instead of putting our safety and security in the Lord Jesus Christ. For biblical faith, people who are of faith, we should seek something different than money or the arm of flesh for our strong tower. Because the Bible says the name of the Lord is our strong tower. So there's the contrast in the passage of Scripture. Uh, We have this teaching, Proverbs 18.10, which is so incredible. And I think we need to put this to practice. We need to put it to work. And here's the bottom line. No matter what your situation is tonight, this is an applicable truth to your life, wherever you are. And if you apply this to your life, God will indeed keep His promise of peace and safety in your life. 
So our goal is to take it apart tonight in four parts. Are you ready? It's going to be real simple. I think simple, uh, but challenging. Here's the first thing, the name of the Lord. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Now, if you look at this in Hebrew, guess what comes first? Hebrew is written from right to left. <laughs> That's enough to confuse you already, right? Uh, but the first phrase is not the name of the Lord. That's the English translation, but it's strong tower. Strong tower is first in Hebrew. However, let's follow the English tonight, and we're going to go the name of the Lord is a strong tower, so the name of the Lord. Again, there are other places in the Bible where God Himself is called a strong or a high tower, yet this says the name of Yahweh is a strong tower, which there are two designations for the concept name that we have to deal with. If we're going to break down name or the name of the Lord, uh, actually, we could say the verse is reading, the name of Yahweh is a strong tower. So, when we, when we think about name, there has to be at least two designations in the Bible of expressing that concept of name. First, it has to be the personal name of God, or the proper name. What do we say? The name of the Lord. So, name, proper name of who God is. And the second line of thinking would be, what makes up the name? Meaning, attributes, character, and essence. So when we consider an attribute of God that is given in Scripture, it's really a title to describe the only one proper name of God, which is Yahweh. When you start to think about that, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The Yahweh, the name of the Lord, or Yahweh, His name, is a strong tower. Tower. So what can we say about the name? Thinking about two designations. The proper name of God, which is called here Yahweh, the name of the Lord. It's, it's usually always in, a, uh, in caps. Why? Because that's the personal name of God, L-O-R-D, Lord. Yahweh is His name. But then we will look at the designation of the name, meaning His attributes. So the first part, what can we say about the proper name of God? Well, we can think of a number of names or titles. But again, the reality is God has only one proper name. And it is Y-H-W-H, right? It is Yahweh is His name. You might recall that in the incident of the burning bush. I hope your mind races back there. God is commissioning Moses. And Moses said, well, whom shall I say sent me? And God says, I am that I am sent you. So it is at that point that God, for the first time, reveals Himself with that divine name, Yahweh. So in some sense, this designation was unknown to the patriarchs, but here He reveals that proper name to Moses. What does the name Yahweh mean? Well, there's a lot of consensus of what the name means, and that would be it speaks of self existence and independence it is a derivative of the verb y'all know what it is to be so he says i am that i am connoting the fact that god is the idea of existence in and of himself can anybody else in the world claim that folks that he have his he has his self existence within himself 
That's who God is. It also denotes the true power and transcendency of his name. He is at liberty to do whatever he wants to, whenever he does it, and he answers to no one. That's who he is. And he is sovereign. But there's also something, not just I am present, I am with you, uh, I exist, I'm totally, uh, I'm not dependent upon anyone else for my existence. That's who I am. But there's also another sense when the Lord says to Moses, I am that I am. Uh, the, The understanding of the book of Exodus in its context has this incredible, magnificent aspect of the fact that in the book of Exodus, God has redeemed his covenant people out of Egypt, right? And they're brought out, and they're his people. And God says, I'm not only present with you, but I am your God, and you are my people. So that's very important. Uh, He hears the cries of his people, and God comes down. And so that's another wonderful thing to think about is thinking about that covenant relationship. The force of the name is not simply that God is, God is or is present, which is certainly true, but that God will faithfully be God for His people. God will be God and for His people at all times and in all places. So when God gives the name I am, He is saying I can be counted on to be what I am and who I am all the time without fail. That's good for us to think about. He can be counted on to be God at all times. And if you're a believer today, then God is the self-existing, sovereign, covenant-keeping God that you belong to. The name of the Lord. Here's the second designation of the name of the Lord. uh, And that's the fact that it's His attributes. What is His essence, our nature, our character? Anybody want to do a pop-up testimony? And tell us what the nature and character is. And attributes of God are. Folks, the fact is, God is God. He is infinite. Uh, Can we ever begin to scratch the surface of who our God is? Now, I don't know what you think, but if these puny little brains are going to even scratch the surface, then we have to think about God in the sense of attributes and character. Well, when we think about principles of theology, we think about communicable attributes Those are attributes that God has communicated to us, and we can, in a sense, communicate back to Him. Love, joy, peace, forgiveness. But there are some incommunicable attributes of God that God has only to Himself, and we don't share. Now, how can you wrap your minds around that kind of thing? The incommunicable attributes that God has. So, when you think about attributes, you have to think about this in regard to God's character. Now, don't forget the sermon. The name of the Lord, the name Yahweh, the self-existing God of all eternity who's not dependent on anybody. The God who will be God no matter what happens in your life, he's still on his throne, right? And think about the attribute part of this whole thing. When we think of quality and essence and nature and perfections, let's think about self-existence, for instance. He's not dependent on anything else for his existence. That blow your stack? I mean, folks, you're dependent on something. All the time. But that's not true for our God. Self-existent. He possesses existence within himself. It's mind-boggling. We can't fathom this because we depend on so much for our existence. It's not true with our God. Another is self-sufficiency. What does that mean? Well, God has within himself all that is required for him being God. All that is required for him being God. 
What about He is eternal? He is not limited in His existence by time, period. The eternality of God. Just, just to focus upon that for a moment. It's just, it'll blow your stack, will it not? Folks, I'm not. Are y'all listening? Okay, everybody's on board. All right. What about omnipresent? He's not limited by the existence of space. He is omnipresent. He's incomparable. You can't compare him to anything. A.W. Tozer said, when we start to ask what is God like, we conclude that God is not like anything that we know. He's also incomprehensible. You can't figure him out. He's also immutable. He does not change. He's also omniscient. It means he possesses all knowledge, real, actual potential of all events, past, present, and future. Can you imagine knowing every potential thing in any circumstance that could possibly take place in the world, and God knows it, present, time, and future time. Every aspect of it. That's who we're dealing with. God is omnipotent. This means that he possesses absolute power and, and supreme authority. Are y'all getting the picture of the name of the Lord? God is holy. He's other than us. Theologians used to call it mysterium tremendum. It's called the terrible mystery of God. When we look at ourselves, just like Isaiah did in Isaiah 6, it's woe is me, right? I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm in the presence of a holy God that the angels had to treble it. Why? It's the Hebrew of superlative. Had to say it three times. Not just twice, but three times because God is absolutely holy. He is ethically and morally distinct from us. He is righteous. That means he is in perfect conformity to his own nature. He will always uphold the worth of his glory no matter what. He is just. He always does what is in conformity to his own righteousness. He is good. That means he is in his intrinsic disposition is to show kindness to all his creatures. Y'all getting this? These attributes are deep, are they not? I asked if you was ready for a Bible study. And you said, yeah. These are attributes, and they're deep. They reflect the very character of God. What about the names or titles of God? Those designations. I just dealt with attributes, but what about all the titles? Well, they function in the same way attributes function. They help you grasp the God who is your strong tower. The name of the Lord. They teach us something that is true about God. When we just consider the Yahweh title groups. So there's <coughs> Yahweh title groups in the Bible. And there are Elohim titles in the Bible. Let's just think of a couple of them. Yahweh Nisi means Yahweh is my banner. Yahweh Rapha means he is the God who heals you. Yahweh Shalom means he's the Lord of peace. Yahweh Sabaoth means he is the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of heaven. Yahweh Tiskinu is the Lord is our righteousness. Yahweh Jireh. Remember the song, Jehovah Jireh. And Jehovah is a transliteration of Yahweh. He is our provider. And of course, you saw that take place on the Mount, Mount Moriah with Abraham. Y'all read y'all's Bible lately, right? The Lord will provide. There, there is uh, Yahweh Jireh. And then what about the Elohim group? We have El Elyon, which means he's the most high God. We have El Olan, which he's the everlasting God. We have the Sandy Patty song. El Shaddai. El Shaddai. You got that right. Uh, 
God Almighty, which is used 31 times, this is what I want you to conclude when you consider the name Yahweh. Think about this. You have a dense theological subject that we will never be able to exhaust because God cannot be exhausted. That's what you need to think about when you think about the name of the Lord. Go ahead and try to gather up all the names and expressions and attributes. And guess what? You will still never in infinity exhaust the name of God. That's who He is. This proverb says the name of the Lord. All those attributes, all those expressions, all those excellencies is a strong tower for us. Oh, that's just one. I'm not going to stop there. Let's talk about the strong tower. So the name of the Lord, the strong tower. We can say that in most ancient cities there was a city wall. Correct? I mean, Donald Trump's wanting to build a wall, right? Now, you, you definitely understand where we're headed now, right? But those cities had walls and gates, and gates and walls were for what? For protection. Well, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The city and those who lived in it needed protection. So often within those cities which protected the city, or those walls, you also had a large tower. It was often used as a watch tower. We see this phrase in Ezekiel. And you could see for miles, you could see the coming enemy and so forth. It was also used for protection of the people in the midst of danger. The Hebrew word for tower, tower is simply great or large. For example, Judges 9, 51. But there was a strong tower within the city, and all the men and women and all the leaders of the city fled to it and shut themselves in, and they went up to the roof of the tower. So that's the word, high place, tower, used in Judges 9.51, we began to see the picture. Here you have a heavily fortified and strong and high place, and it's a picture of the name of God. So those towers were visible, and the Israelites would see those towers from a distance as they traveled, and they were enormous structures. And yet we read that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Again, there are many places in the Word where God is called that strong tower or high place of power in his Psalm 18, Psalm 61, Psalm 144, 2 Samuel 7:22. Again, the very name of God is a strong tower. This is significant, is it not, in regard to his people and where they take refuge. It's for safety, it's for refuge, it's for a fortress. We find protection from the enemy in all danger. So let's do a review. Let's put this all together. The name Yahweh is a strong tower. He will be God for us. He alone is a strong tower. He can be counted on. In Him we live and breathe and move and have our being. We realize that this free and sovereign God actually has the ability to work all things together for His glory and our good. He's the covenant-keeping God who will be our God and will be God for His people. He's the God who keeps all His promises. So the name of Yahweh is indeed a strong tower. That's not enough. The attributes and character of God is also our strong tower. The attributes and His character, all that God is, He is for us. If you name the need, if you name the fear, if you name the challenge, if you name the temptation, if you name the problem, I guarantee you there's an appropriate attribute of our God as a mighty fortress for you that will meet any specific need you have. Guarantee you. That's why he's incomprehensible. 
The names of God which reveal His character are our strong tower. And the very attributes are also our strong tower. So the full declaration of His name sets out forcefully the strength of the tower that we are asked to run to. His name and His attributes define that. Every attribute adds confirmation to our faith as His people. Do you know what this passage demands for us? It demands that we know God. I mean, just think about it. If we're dealing with the attributes of God and His essence, and we're dealing with theology, which is called the study of God, then obviously we have to know Him uh, if we're going to run to Him. Our strong tower, if we're going to actually apply this promise to our lives, then we have to know that the Lord, we have to know the Lord that we belong to. Demands that we know God. If the name of the Lord is to be for us a strong fortified tower, and if it's to bring us safety and security, then it's absolutely essential that we know Him. I can't express how important it is for us to know the God we belong to. And in our world today, we don't study that too much. We either take it uh, from the preacher, and whatever theology we get, we get from the pastor with one hour of preaching. Right? It's really a, I'm really a 40-minute preacher, let's just be honest. Y'all all put me on the clock. I'm just going to tell you, I'm a 40-minute preacher. Just get over it, you know. It's going to take me 40 minutes, roughly speaking. And so David's got to stop at 10 till 11 for me to get it in by 11.30, all right? I'm just telling you. He picked on me, so I put it back to him, all right? <laughs> but that, that 40 minutes of preaching, uh, I pray that that's not all of your study to know the Lord we belong to, right? I hope that you are engaging in that. I hope you're consumed with... Uh, with not self and how uh, coming to this church is going to benefit you, but I hope you're consumed with knowing the God that we're here to worship. I hope you're not consumed with me and my and I. You know, by the way, that's what really rubs me the wrong way about so many songs that we hear today. Turn on the Christian radio and just about every word is I or me or subjectivity. You know that, what's that, dangle, dangle? I mean, there's a new song she has. You've got a beautiful voice, but every word of the song is about me and subjectivity and I. Whatever happened to songs about who God is in His essence and His person and the transcendency of God, we've dumbed those things down so much. We've, uh, yes, He is eminently involved with His people, but when, when self is the focus and I and me and we is the focus and not God, then we're missing it. So in essence, I would say to you today that we're missing songs that echo the transcendency of God, and that's why we see God as our little buddy and our friend. Folks, He's not your friend, He's not your buddy, He's God. Now, I know you can use that terminology, but folks, first and foremost, He's God. I've just explained that to you, right? Who He is in His character, so we must know Him. And I would submit to you that the reason so many of us find no relief from how we deal with our problems is because we don't know this strong tower. We don't really know who God is. And therefore, when we do have difficult situations, we run uh, to the imagination. Things that don't exist. And things that won't solve your problem. And won't give you protection. And won't give you refuge. Why? Because we don't really know this God that is for us. We don't really know the attributes of who He is. So you can look for it in the methods of psychology. You can look uh, for this strong tower with superficial perspectives. But at the end of the day, you find no deliverance or safety or refuge or nothing else from the things of this world. you got to run to the Lord. God is our strong tower. Do you ever feel like you're just hobbling around, 
uh, like a cripple? Why do you do this? The God of heaven says, I am a strong tower. Run unto me and you will be saved. I think about Ann Judson, who was married to Adoniram Judson. And he died, of course, overseas, taking the gospel to the Burmese people. Ann Judson wrote this when she was 16. She said, I would, she said, my chief happiness is contemplating the moral perfections of God. That's pretty awesome for a 16-year-old, isn't it? But look at her life. Um, I would submit to you that Ann Judson would need this for her life, would she not? Losing a husband at that age, she endured suffering and difficulties in Burma with her husband, Adoniram, that we will never face. But ladies and gentlemen, we need to know God. We need to think about those perfections and who He is. All right, the righteous run into it. Y'all doing good? We're almost done. Our tendency is to say, well, that excludes me, right? We were singing that song. I bet some of you thought, the righteous run into him. You're thinking, I'm out, right? I mean, if we're looking at categorizing some who would consider themselves by right acts or decision-making to consider yourself, well, I'm pretty righteous. I'm, I'm not as bad as Slade, right? I, I'm doing better than this person. And we, we began to quantify and, and compare ourselves to other people in the church. And we think, well, uh, I don't know for sure if I could run unto him and be saved because I don't classify myself as righteous. Well, does Paul say that there is none that's righteous? You better believe it. Paul also says, however, that there are those who are declared righteous. And that's the ones this text is dealing with. Aren't you thankful for the declaration that although you remain a sinner, God has forensically declared you righteous before Him? Right? Isn't that incredible? So when it says the righteous run to Him, He's speaking of those who are in right relationship with God. And you can only be in right relationship with Him by one way. And that's through Jesus Christ. Being declared righteous. These are the people of faith. These are the people of of faith and wisdom, and they run to Him and they are saved. He's not saying these are perfect people. These are the people who are trying to do it God's way, and they know Him personally, and the righteous, those people run to Him. So, notice, they don't stroll to it. They don't casually walk to it. They don't trot. They don't skip. The Bible says they actually run to it. It gets a picture of the armies coming against those fortified walls and gates and cities, and the people not trotting, not walking, not skipping, but running to that place of refuge. It's a picture we have here. There's no concern here about what others think when you're running to Him. You're not looking around worried about, well, is the next person going to run with me? No, your concern is you know who He is. And in the complexities of life and anxieties of life and the difficulties, you're not afraid to run to Him. You're not afraid to go to this strong tower. They also know where to run into the name of the Lord. And I think this is important. I think the imagery of running can certainly denote prayer and, and trust, right? Or faith and prayer. That we put our trust in God. We, we pray to Him. We run to Him as our source if you listen to Proverbs 29, 25, I'll just flip over there. You don't. Just listen to this. 29, 25, I just tried to find one close by, which there are many. The fear of man lays a snare, 
But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So we would think that, yes, to run to Him means that we trust Him. That we're, that he's, that we're confident that God is in control. So we lay hold of Him and trust Him. Have you ever noticed a common denominator in all the prayers for the saints recorded in the Bible? There's one common denominator to all of those prayers. They're stacked with the attributes of God. When they, when they begin, just think about the magnificent given by Mary. I mean, it's stacked with who God is. When you think about Moses' prayers and Daniel, when you read his in Daniel 9, they're stacked with knowledge of who God is. The psalmist said, those who know thy name put their trust in thee. Again, what does name mean? Yeah, Yahweh, I am present. I'm for my people. But what about all the names and titles and attributes? So when David says, those who know thy name put their trust in thee, the idea is simply to appropriate who God is into your life. Is this making sense? Boy, I made the lights go out on that one. How about this when you pray? Father, you are sovereign. Folks, do you know that the very first thing we're called to do in the model prayer is to hallow the name of God. To set Him apart as holy. It's not for us to come and say, Oh God, give me my petitions. The first three things have to do with a Godward perspective. The next four have to do with, Yeah, God, you do meet my needs, but first and foremost, you are sovereign. Father, you are a good Father. And you are faithful. I mean, that, that's thinking about who He is. How about, Father, you are righteous. Father, you are merciful. you got to lay hold of the things that are true about God. So we run to Him means that we appropriate unto ourselves the very character of the God that we belong to. Can you handle one more? They are safe. You know, the literal Hebrew is they are lifted high. I like that. Of course, it means they're safe. They run into this strong tower and they are lifted high. You are out of the reach of the enemy. You're beyond the touch of the arrows and the spears. You are kept safe because you're in the strong tower. You're protected. Uh, you are protected spiritually, emotionally, physically. When the Lord is a strong tower in His name for you, well, what a different perspective you have on life, right? Uh, the things that will cause others to crumble. Why? Because they're not meditating on the law of the Lord. They're not planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in season, right? So our spiritual, emotional, and physical health is totally connected to the strong tower we belong to. He gives you a sense of peace because you're surrounded by who He is. When life makes no sense, you're surrounded by a Father. You can run to Him. I, I learned this most appropriately when my father died. As a matter of fact, it was probably a six-month time frame from the time I got that phone call on a February morning on the 3rd, right before I preached, my mom called and said, your dad had a seizure or a stroke the night before, and he's in the hospital. And the, in Elbert County, you know, if you, if you got something seriously wrong with you, you don't go to a county hospital. I mean, that was just the way it was there. In Elbert County, we only had about 10,000 people, including cats and dogs and everybody else in the whole county. You just didn't go to the local hospital if you were dying. You know what I mean? You go to Athens. Well, they did a CT and they saw something in there but didn't know what it was and sent him on to Athens. But from that moment, the Lord became my strong tower. Because in my spirit, I knew once I got the information that something was wrong, the Lord led me in my heart and mind to know that he was going to die. I just knew it. And he began to prepare me for that. And you can't explain it. It's almost like Leroy said to me the other day, 
Leroy Moore said in light of Judy's situation, he said, Pastor, I went to bed and the Lord woke me up at 3 o'clock and I was just anxious and worried about life and worried about Judy and what I was going to do. And he said, all of a sudden, the Lord just shined over me with peace. He said, I can't explain it, but I've got a peace now that God knows exactly what he's doing. Look, folks, only God can do that. That's the strong power that you sense in the midst that he is Yahweh Shalom, that he is the God of peace, and he gives that to you in your life. Well, that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, I'd make that journey up Highway 78 from Augusta, Georgia, up to Athens, and the Lord was that strong tower over and over and over. And that's when you begin to trust him. That confidence builds. You see God at work in your life, and you know God does all things well. And you know that uh, even though we feel like we're going through hell sideways, that it's straight and narrow, that God is in control. So the high tower is, a str- is stronger than any schemes of the enemy. Aren't you thankful? If we just for a moment could see the spiritual warfare going on around us, it'd blow your mind. We're, just, we're ignorant to it. <clears throat> that you survive at all is because of the mercy of God. That you survive. You know, just think about the enemy coming to the Lord and saying, hey, you got this servant Job, and I want to do this, that, and the other. And God says, well, you can do this. It's a good thing that, that nothing comes your way as a believer that's not first filtered through the Father's hands, right? And God says, you can do this, this, and this, but you can't do this. If we only knew uh, what was going on around us, the warfare that's the principalities in high places, but aren't you thankful that no matter how the enemy seeks to assail you, those walls in that fortified city is so strong. It's the name of the Lord. So God is a high tower to those who will keep and will keep us safe. God tells Moses early on that he will find a place for his name to dwell. Y'all remember that? And at first, where does the name of God dwell? In a mobile tent. Is that not true? We're going to preach through Hebrews in a few years when I finish Acts. And believe it or not, there are, more ser- there are more sermons that I will preach out of Hebrews than Acts. But it's going to be a little while before we do that. But that's what we began to learn out of Hebrews, is that we talk about that mobile tent and how God worked. But that's not where it ended. We also have God dwelling in a temple. Of course, that begins to be sacred space to a Jerusalemite or an Israelite, thinking about sacred space, and that becomes a hindrance to them. But ultimately... Where does the name of God dwell? Where does he pitch his tent and tabernacle? Well, he does it in the human birth, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that, does it not? And the Word was made flesh. The eternal Son of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So just think for a moment. The fullness of God and all of His character dwelt bodily in Jesus of Nazareth. Dang, just think about that. It is this Jesus that is a strong tower for every sinner. Is that not true? There's no refuge, no safety outside of the strong tower of Jesus Christ, the Savior. So here's my lesson for you tonight if you're lost. Run to Him and you will be safe. Right? Run to Him and you will be safe. Believers, know your God and run to Him and you will be safe. All right. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. I hope you don't soon forget this because I promise you, sure as the sun rises in the morning, when you strike the anvil, the sparks are going to fly. 
and such is born for trouble. That's us, right? We know it's going to take place, but the question is, when you do face those things, what are you going to do? Are you going to run for those things that riches that the world has for you and, and the psychologists and psychiatrists? By the way, most psychiatrists need one, right? If you're going to run to all those, what are you going to do? Well, my prayer is that you'll run to the strong tower. In the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I know this was uh, deep and theological, but that's okay. We need to be challenged in our thinking. We need to be aware of who you are. And Lord, I know I, can, I can't even begin to scratch the surface, Lord, of who you are. We'll never exhaust you. Lord, we thank you that, that you have allowed all of your fullness to dwell Godhead bodily in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, Father, what an awesome understanding of who you are. No man hath seen you at any time, but the Son has revealed you. Lord, just to fathom all that's involved in that, Lord, just completely boggles our minds. Lord, we, we thank you tonight that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous run unto you. Those who are declared righteous, that belong to you, run unto you, and they are safe. We're protected by you. God, we thank you so much for that truth. And tonight, Lord, as we come to this time of prayer, Lord, we just exalt your name. Your word tells us in the Psalms that the very heavens are preaching a sermon every day of your creative ability, of your existence, of your omniscience and omnipresence. And Lord, the fact that you control all things. The heavens declare your handiwork. They're speaking about you in all of creation. And Father, we thank you for that reality. And most of all, we thank you for Jesus. That for sinners, he's our strong tower. We run unto him and we are saved by grace through faith. Thank you, Lord, for that truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.